0: He's Amit car and I'm Telly Concepcion. And together, we are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. We go beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. So come learn, grow, and have some fun with us. We are Beyond the Numbers Podcast.
1: My number of the day is 482.3 three. Anheuser-Busch has spent $482.3 million on Super Bowl ads since 2006. This will be the first time in 37 years where Budweiser won't air an ad during the Super Bowl, joining Coca-Cola, Hyundai, and Pepsi. Please note, I said Budweiser. There will be many other Anheuser-Busch
0: commercials throughout the Super Bowl. My number for the day is four. Tom Brady has played in four Super Bowls since Peyton Manning has retired. And this year is special because Manning is being introduced into the Hall of Fame. And it should be noted that they were only drafted two years apart. Also, Peyton Manning never beat my Florida Gators. So it's a Hall of Fame quarterback who never beat the Florida Gators in college. Before the business, Beyonders, it's time for Before the Business, where we answer your unanswered questions and find the numbers that went unfound in previous episodes. So, Beyonders, I've got some breaking news. We've been getting tremendous feedback from last week's special Super Bowl episode and tons of love from Tampa, but from all the Beyonders from around the world. Wow, we are humbled and grateful. Yeah,
1: special just got special. Like Doug Heffernan says on King of Queens, wow,
0: people are really into us. People are really into us. For real, man, the amount of sharing of this episode. Thanks to Sam and Joe. Josie, Elaine, Matt Ayotte, you know, a bunch of folks in Tampa and the Florida Department of Health, who actually had the episode sent out to many of their um, correspondents as well. So shout outs to Terry Neely uh, with the Florida Department of Health. We were fortunate, but check out how things lined up. One year since we started, starting up, right, I'm mean, at One year since we started the talks. One year since we got official, recording our voices, recording, seeing how we sound, practicing on the editing. One year later, Super Bowl in Tampa, the Bucs are in it. God is good. Things just lined up that way for us. Remember, though, guys, we're a weekly show. So this episode, unfortunately, will not be specifically about the Super Bowl that you just saw today. Although I am certain the Bucs did their thing exactly as I predicted they would. And won out 31-27. The weekend came out. Did you see when he hit that split? He made those moves. He moonwalked off the stage. I can't believe he almost fell there, but he caught himself anyways that long pass remember that catch the long pass and then the other guy ran it and spun and and did his thing so that it was a tight game although we have not seen it yet
1: no no my friend the chiefs definitely did their thing as i predicted earlier right and and for what it's worth let me tell you something the seven million dollars the weekend put in that halftime show well worth it You could see it in production value. It was absolutely fantastic. Didn't want to miss that one.
0: Incredible, I had never seen anything like that before. Remember that one commercial where the guy does the one thing? That was crazy, I couldn't believe he did that thing.
1: Either way, (laughs) like Telly said, we are a weekly show, and with the Super Bowl being on Sunday, we will not have enough time to watch it, process it, produce a show, and then send it back out to you.
0: Yeah, and it's been there's been talk, I mean, in recent years to move the Super Bowl to Saturday because, as we're going to cover, so many people c- call out of work on Mondays. Anyway, that would have given us enough time, right? We would have hustled for you guys, made it happen Sunday, published on Sunday. But, like I said, we have something very special planned out for you guys today. And being on the West Coast out here has its downsides, especially when it comes to sports I'm it because you know it starts at nine in the morning when I'm trying to watch my gators. Football games are in the middle of the afternoon. So I'm trying to cook lunch and watch football. But the game should end early enough on this end that I'm not wired and unable to sleep like on the East Coast. I remember trying to watch Monday night football games and then they would go into 1, 2 a.m. But the other downside this year is I'm not there in Tampa celebrating right now. Like I said, this is, we're recording this Wednesday, February 3rd, but I know my Bucks got it done. And people of Tampa are out in the streets right now celebrating as they tell you listen what. to this.
1: I tell you what, I don't I don't doubt that the people of Tampa will be out in the streets by the thousands, one way or another.
0: People blast Beyond the Numbers podcast from their car. That would be pretty sweet right there. That that we have made it. When we watch ESPN showing the parade and people are blasting beyond this guy predicted it. This guy's from Tampa. He predicted the win. I was going to (laughs) say, I
1: was going to say who's blasting a podcast. No one is blasting a podcast anywhere.
0: Well, you know, you never know. You never know.
1: (laughs) But as you mentioned earlier, we are a weekly show um, and we are, we do have a great episode for you today. Highlighting, not just the origins of the Super Bowl, but some of the fun facts from this year's Super Bowl, some of the stats, some of the numbers.
0: Yeah, and stay tuned for next week's episode when we break down the actual gameplay between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs on Super Bowl 55. But for this week's big news, Amit, there were a couple of things we just couldn't let go because it was too big <laughs> to let go. Jared Goff traded to the Detroit Lions for Matthew Stafford.
1: Yeah, we were working on the beyond the numbers of the 2020 NFL season, including coaching changes and big moves. But this was too big for any of us to ignore, Telly. This this one, this one's a big one. And this is the first time that we saw two number one overall picks traded.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy. I still think Matthew Stafford's got game left. You know, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's never had the talent around him, the O-line around him. So it'll be interesting to see what the coach ends up doing with them. The bigger shock might be that Rams traded up to get Jared Goff, paid him a whole lot of guaranteed money, and now they're just trading him away, which makes me think, I don't know. We watched Hard Knocks a couple years ago, I'm mean, and Jared Goff was a little funny learning the playbook. It didn't seem like he understood a lot of things that, that were being thrown at him. But the last couple of years, he's proven himself. He took him all the way to the Super Bowl. How you trade a guy under 25 that's taking a team to a Super Bowl Those players come at a premium. The Rams even threw picks at the Lions to get rid of Jared Goff. So this isn't even a trade like a one-player for a one-player. This was like, no, take take him and take these picks and take this money.
1: Yeah, normally you see it the other way around, right? So the so the team trying to unload the older quarterback will throw in some picks, we'll throw in some things on the side. To get that younger quarterback. And for what it's worth, Goff was a little salty on the way out, right? His first statement was, I'm glad I'm going to somewhere where I think I'll actually be appreciated.
0: Two years after Super Bowl, you think your job's guaranteed and he's gone. The other story from this week, I mean, we could not not let go is Courtside Karen. Y'all going to have to Google that one.
1: Yeah, definitely Google Courtside Karen uh, because the incident occurred in the fourth quarter of this past Monday's Laker win, and it prompted officials to actually halt the game. They had to call security in, got vocal enough to where there was an ejection of the fan and the group that she was with. Definitely got to look that one up because... If you need a good laugh, Courtside Karen will get that for you this week.
0: And when you told me about this, I mean, I legit asked you, was this Kelly Loeffler, the former owner of the WNBA Atlanta Dream, named after Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, who was particularly vocal in opposition of Black Lives Matter? We brought it to you guys here on Beyond the Numbers podcast, and the WNBA got her Ousted or not enough votes to remain in the Senate. And segue here for us, speaking of the Atlanta Dream, named after Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, this is our first episode of February, which is Black History Month here in the United States of America. And we will be featuring stories highlighting important figures and moments throughout the month.
1: Yeah, so happy Black History Month, everyone. We look forward to sharing nuggets throughout the month.
0: Happy Black History Month. Now let's get back to the business. Beyond the numbers of Super Bowl 55, everything but the game, history, facts, and figures. So we wanted to bring you guys a little beyond the numbers, behind the scenes of the Super Bowl, and what goes on with the logistics during the game that doesn't have to do with the game. So by the time you listen to this, you will have seen the game. You will have seen my bucks. Beating the Chiefs at home for history, hosting the Lombardi trophy, people driving around Raymond James Stadium going crazy. I mean, I'm just saying, like by the time people hear this, because we're posting this episode up Sunday, they will have known that the Bucs won 3127, just as I predicted. And people will come to me for all of their betting advice.
1: Yeah, outside of being completely wrong. And in the Chiefs blowout, you're completely on point. But, you know, at the end of the day, one of us are definitely going to be wrong here. So, um,
0: yeah, one of us is going to be right. What happens. i see just saying. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. But
1: what doesn't change in this situation are the numbers that go behind the game itself. So let's dive into those.
0: So, yeah, Super Bowl 55 numbers. So 52.4% of Americans think that Super Bowl Monday should be a holiday. And actually, 72% of HR managers agree. And I'll throw my name in there. I also agree. It should just be Saturday.
1: Yeah, shouldn't the Super Bowl be on Saturday? Isn't that easier?
0: Make it an all day thing. You can stay up late. You don't have to work the next day. You can eat everything you want and spend Sunday recovering. And also, it'll allow Ahmed and myself to bring you a Beyond the Numbers podcast about the Super Bowl game the Sunday of the Super Bowl <laughs> rather than the way we have to do it now. So, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa will hold 14,500 fans. 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers for the Super Bowl. That's about 30% of the stadium's capacity. 72% of Americans say they are unlikely to host or attend a Super Bowl party this year, obviously, because of COVID 19. This is the second Super Bowl appearance for the Bucks. They won their only other Super Bowl appearance in 2002. I was a wee lad then when we won it, and it was in San Diego. John Lynch had an interception, Rondé Barber, Derrick Brooks, Mike Allstott, Brad Johnson was the quarterback, just take me back. The Chiefs are entering their fourth Super Bowl appearances, and they've won two of their last three appearances. They were a part of the very first Super Bowl in 1967, and we will get to that more in the next segment. Tell you, are going to name
1: all those people from the 2002 team and not include Keyshawn Johnson? Keyshawn that's fine. Johnson, that's fine. Or a
0: sap. We also have Simeon Rice. I mean, come yeah. on. I, I, I actually keep list. going. It's a long list. Joe Jaravicious. So the... I can keep going. Keenan McCardell. That's right. Keenan yeah. McCardell. Cadillac Williams. Cadillac Williams was not on that team. No, no. Uh, Pittman was, and his son yeah, plays for the Mike Colts Pittman. now. Mike Pittman was the running back. Cadillac. Back
1: you know what? In before the business next week, we're going to go into when Cadillac Williams actually started playing for the Bucks and see how far off you are. I'm going to guess my estimate, and this is completely off topic. But I we're think we played in same. college
0: together. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: He was I'm at Auburn sure, when I was at I, Florida.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure Cadillac Williams wasn't in the NFL till at least. 2010.
0: So we'll find yeah. out for next week. It was Michael Pittman. The concern was Pittman's arms were too big to be a running back, and he would fumble because his bicep was too large. You We've remember that? digress. Yeah, because
1: you the pictures were always of him flexing with the ball in there. Yeah, it's just exactly. like the, the football was just dying. We digress. <laughs> we digress. So when we look at the Bucks and the Chiefs, they have met 13 previous times and the Bucks are ahead seven to six in head-to-head wins. So while I'm not sure what the payouts are for players this year, we can look back to last year's pay. Each member of the Chiefs team last year received a $124,000 Super Bowl bonus. The losing team, the 49ers, had a consolation prize of $62,000 player so those are the economics from last year's uh game depending on who won and lost i don't know what it's going to look like this year i don't know if it's tied into revenue and sort of how the year worked and then how covet impacts that but as soon as those numbers come out we'll definitely share them
0: yeah that's interesting because that's a big difference it's not like the winning guys get 75k and the losers get 60 124 000 half. versus 62. I wonder if they tell guys that before the game, you'll see a lot of guys playing a lot different (laughs) if you tell them the difference in the check.
1: It's the Super Bowl. It's like the check you is sh- nice, but I mean, rookies. Yeah. Some of the guys on smaller contracts yeah. makes a big difference, but
0: small contracts. And if their wives know, you know, they, they're going to be motivating them. Oh, you, I'm going to stay away. You're going to focus. You're going to start reading that playbook and you're going to practice right here in the room. And I'm going to make sure that you do not mess up because you're not going to mess up our money. right here. <laughs> So speaking of money, let's get into some of the Super Bowl economics, more specifically how it will impact tampa in the tampa bay area because i've expressed my heartbreak i live in tampa grew up in tampa i live in california now but i grew up in tampa that's my home town and they are missing out on a huge financial opportunity on it because no fans coming into the city no tourists coming into the city that will affect a lot of things thanks corona virus this is the fifth time tampa is hosting the super bowl the estimated positive economic impact for the super bowl for the tampa bay area is 276 million dollars the cost of raymond james stadium which opened in 1998 it is affectionately known as the new sombrero because the old stadium was the old sombrero because it looked like a big bowl of chips was 168.5 million dollars the cost of renovations and upgrades to Raymond James Stadium since it opened in 1998, because in order to host the Super Bowl and in order to keep the stadium up to NFL standards, they have to bring it up to code as far as the size of the Jumbotrons, the quality of replays on the Jumbotron, the audio systems, etc. $160 million. And Raymond James Financial holds the naming rights for the stadium for 23 years. That's the second largest of its kind in the NFL. And if I'm not mistaken on it, just gave it to him i don't think raymond james paid for the rights to that i think they just felt comfortable with letting them have the naming rights to the stadiums
1: we'll have to look that up i don't know if that's true or not but maybe that's what i remember
0: as a kid i don't think they financially contributed to the stadium i think they just gave them the name but we will check on that for you guys this will be the first time in 55 years that cash will not be accepted at the super Bowl. So. When you pull it to the stadium, just make sure you're not playing that cash rules, everything around me song, because it is not accepted at this year's Super Bowl. There's a 25% increase in spending when fans utilize digital forms of payment. You know, you put a certain amount of money in your pocket and when you run out of that money, you are done for the day. Not so when you're using the plastic. And there were 2000 hotel rooms added in the Tampa Bay area in preparation for the Super Bowl that most likely won't be utilized because the restrictions with COVID, the lack of travel, and the lack of of attendance for the game. So that's sad for the area. It's a huge um, impact, Ahmed, in terms of cost for the area, upgrading the facilities, making sure that you have enough room. The airport did a lot of upgrades. The Tampa International Airport in preparation for the Super Bowl. The stadium adds seats, and now they won't be able to utilize those things, at least for the Super Bowl. At least for the Super Bowl.
1: You want to know what my big question is, Tully? The Bucs are staying home. What happens to all those hotel rooms that they had for their team and all their extended people, all the things that the league set up for the Bucs to come into? What happens there?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I think They're home. They're not going to a hotel. But we can definitely check on that, too, and get back to the Beyonders with more information on that. So let's jump to ticket prices five thousand
1: five hundred and six dollars that's the average cost over the last five years now last year's super bowl averaged eight thousand four hundred and four dollars which was almost double what the average was from 2019 which was four thousand nine hundred and seventy two dollars so a definite spike uh, in cost last year and when we look at this year eight thousand six hundred and thirteen dollars is the lowest price of a super bowl ticket For sale in the resale market. So, not official, but when you're going through StubHub, things like that, which is a 30% increase from what we saw last year, 2020. $13,497 is the average cost of a Super Bowl ticket on the secondary market, which is a 61% increase from last year's game. When we look at the totality of Super Bowl games, $29,367 is the highest amount ever paid for a super bowl ticket please keep in mind all of these numbers are for one ticket and yeah just so you know <laughs> and just so you know not 70, a sweet <laughs> yeah not a sweet that's just one ticket and just so you know 75 percent of the ticket supply is controlled by the
0: nfl Ahmed has been to a super bowl right that's Watch right your giants that's beat right. the patriots that's tom right. brady and the Patriots. i have not been to one i would if i was living in tampa right now i would have tried my hardest to sneak into this year's i would have been wearing my security jacket you know what i'm saying or dress up like one of the players <laughs> something you still
1: you still have credentials from the outback bowl
0: i still have outback but i have seen every inch of raymond james Stadium. i've worked at raymond james stadium i have been on the field i have seen a game from field level at Raymond James Stadium, but I have not been to a Super Bowl. And my question <laughs> is this, Amit, with these prices, the ticket prices, right? They're only going to have a certain amount of people there. So what do you do if you're a celebrity? You've always wanted to go to the Super Bowl, but you've never wanted to be swamped by all these fans. If you're Oprah, right, you want to go, but you, you've never wanted to be in like a totally full stadium, but they're gonna social distance this out. It's healthcare workers. Do all the celebrities go to this Super Bowl this year and, like, you know, this is my chance? It's a half empty stadium and I can pay tribute to healthcare workers. I've always wanted to go to the Super Bowl, but I just don't wanna be in a huge crowd. Is this the year you go for it as a celebrity?
1: Maybe. But Telly, I wanna go back to the Outback Ball because if I remember correctly, you and I <laughs> were both on the sideline.
0: Yes, we or were. Or the
1: Jadavian Clowny
0: hit. We were. We in saw that South in the per- South Carolina we heard Michigan that game. In you person. Heard that we felt pop. We felt that in person. <laughs> it was right there. And,
1: and we ran into John Gruden in the tunnel underneath.
0: We did run into John Gruden. He does sound the same on camera as he does off camera so shouts out to jenna lane we were hanging out with jenna lane that day as well jenna lane bucks so man that you're taking me back now man i also i just for you i've also seen Shaq at raymond james stadium (laughs) and to move between suites he has to duck because he doesn't fit under the overhang of the suites of the stadium of the stadium so that was pretty crazy to see him going in between suites but it'll be interesting to see do celebrities come out because there's less common folk at this game there's limited attendance so do you pull the trigger this year as celebrities we shall see so the other huge part about the super bowl besides the celebrities and everything else and the game of course is the food i mean, this is the for second
1: for us for us, for us. no
0: for us. every but for all americans oh we have international listeners for our international listeners, this day ranks second behind Thanksgiving for days that Americans eat the most food the Super Bowl, not Christmas, not another holiday, the Super Bowl. 10,821 is the average number of calories for a Super Bowl party feast. 1.4 billion chickens will be eaten. I mean, I call this the revenge of the turkeys. You know, they're looking over at the chickens on the farm. <laughs> right before Thanksgiving, and they're like, don't worry, your day is coming. Your day is coming. 10 million pounds of ribs are sold the week of the Super Bowl. 28 million pounds of chips will be scarfed down. More than 8 million pounds of guac will be down on the Super Bowl Sunday. There's a 50% increase in pizza orders on Super Bowl Sunday compared to any other Sunday during the year. So what are people's favorite foods, Amit? Because I'm hearing a lot of animals dying on this day <laughs> with the ribs and the well, chicken.
1: I'm going to make a guess. Based on the 1.4 billion chickens that are eaten, it's got to be wings, right?
0: Definitely wings at 29%. Pizza's number two at 26%. I got to think that's just because it's easy, right? You order, yeah, you don't have to miss any of there. the game. Yep. You don't even have to look at pizza when you're eating it. You just kind of bring it up to your mouth. You don't <laughs> have to watch do anything when you eat pizza. Nachos at 15%. Not to be outdone by dip at 14%. So, you know, they're, they're pretty neck and neck there. Chili comes in at 7% and barbecue which in america barbecue is a pretty wide like you could barbecue chicken you could barbecue ribs you could barbecue brisket you could you could barbecue anything really it comes in at six percent so that's crazy what are you having this year are you having any of that are y'all it's snowed in be... for the super bowl there no nah, no nah, Brooklyn. i've doing... seen the images 18 inches of snow yeah no we're, we're definitely
1: going to get uh, a good amount of uh probably wings i would think it's gonna be wings
0: and nachos this week this year yeah i'm doing i'm doing wings i'm doing wings myself and we gluten-free dairy-free man we might do pizza too So we'll do some pizza. So we'll be purchasing, not Ahmed and I, Americans in general, will be purchasing more than 51.7 million cases of beer on Super Bowl Sunday. And I've got to imagine, Ahmed, that White Claw and these other uh, seltzers are sneaking their way up and clawing their way up in those statistics. 90% more beer is consumed on Super Bowl Sunday than an average day.
1: I mean, that that, that will make sense, right? (laughs) (laughs) I will hope so.
0: Yeah, most people are not just walking around, you know, drinking beers. Although international listeners, based on what you've seen in the news, it does seem, although Americans do just walk around <laughs> drinking beers and doing things that don't really make sense. Um, $1.3 billion will be spent on beer and cider on Super Bowl Sunday. $597 million will be spent on wine. $503 million will be spent on hard liquor. After all that beer, wine, and liquor, 17.5 million people will miss work the day after the Super Bowl. Hence why we said, move it to Saturday. Just make it Saturday. We all hang out. We all watch the game, enjoy And then you have all day Sunday to soak in the wind, recover, do what you gotta do.
1: I agree. So while we're scarfing all that food down and racking up all those calories in between the action, are the ads, and Super Bowl ads are pretty big. The cost of a 30-second ad during Super Bowl 55 is $5.5 million. <clears throat> when we look at last year's Super Bowl, Fox Sports made over $600 million in advertising revenue from that game, including the pregame and postgame program. Over the past 12 years, the cost of a 30-second Super Bowl ad has increased by 107%. 22% of Super Bowl viewers say that the commercials are in fact the best part of the game. 80% of Super Bowl ads fail to change consumer options about brands. That kind of makes sense. No one's watching anything and saying, you know what, you're right. I never liked Doritos in my entire life, but that commercial right there, I'm Doritos for life now, right?
0: That baby dancing might convince you. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Stop it. 10% of consumers remember the average Super Bowl ad and know the brand being advertised. 10%.
0: Yeah, that's actually when you, shockingly low. When you see those Clydesdales, you know it's Budweiser. When you see There's a baby, a you don't know what it is. That's true. That's true. There's some that have a little feel to them.
1: So when we look back at historic ads, there were 5.3 million social shares of the Volkswagen 2011 Super Bowl ad, which is the most ever. And that, I don't know if you remember that ad, tell you that was the kid dressed up as Darth Vader, kind of walking yep. through the house and he gets up in front of the car and puts his hand up. He puts
0: his hand up, yep. Dad Dad
1: squeezes the, the little horn button and it goes off. And
0: yep, I remember that one, I do. So that was
1: the, that was the most socially shared uh, advertisement. And there were 97 million plus online views of Amazon's hashtag before Alexa ad from last year's Super Bowl, to give you an idea of what the viewers viewership's going for, But that, of course, is different from shares, right? This is just like either going to Amazon's website where it's posted up or going onto YouTube. So slightly different metric there.
0: Yeah, and the Super Bowl has something for everybody, right? We talked about the game. We love football. We love watching the games. Our significant others may not love football as much, so they give them great commercials, great halftime shows, and all the other parts of the media. Shouts out, Amit. Right now, we have to shout out Ben and Annie. Best Super Bowl parties ever. That's the ones we used to go to in Orlando. They would bring cheese from Wisconsin. Specialty cheeses. They would make themed food based on the teams in the on game. who was playing. That was they, the best. Did they not get married on a Super Bowl wearing jerseys? Right. During a Super yeah, Bowl.
1: That wedding was amazing. It was the um, Steelers. Uh, Cardinals Super Bowl.
0: And you know where that Super Bowl took place? Tampa. Exactly. Of course it did. Exactly. So along with Super Bowl parties like we talked about and the commercials, there's the media extravaganza surrounding the Super Bowl. This will be the first time all media interviews will be done remotely. So again, part of those hotel rooms in Tampa that are built out, the infrastructure that's built out around Tampa, the money that would be spent At restaurants and hotels and things in the area, down because all media interviews will be done remotely.
1: And lastly, betting has always been a big thing. When we look at wagers across the board, approximately $300 million will be legally wagered on this year's game. That doesn't count how
0: much money you are putting in with your bookie, Fat Tony, down the street or anything like that. That's right. (laughs) This is legit. This is legit. Over
1: 26 million adults, 92% of adults who bet money on the Super Bowl have lost money doing so. Not a lot of people are winning and coming home rich. 29% of people say they would bet on the Super Bowl if it were legal in that state. And that's because currently there are only 20 states where you can legally bet on the Super Bowl within the United States.
0: Yeah, and this these numbers are, are awesome. But... They don't even count like friendly wagers among friends, Ahmed, people putting down bingo cards worth of like people betting on how long. The national anthem will last, people betting on who's going to score first, what outfit will the halftime performer be wearing, how well, those many hours will that
1: Those prop bets, and you can actually legally bet on a lot of those prop, prop Yes, bets. you
0: can. Yes, you can. Legal gambling is expanding here in the United States. It was a ballot initiative in a lot of states this past election. We are not currently sponsored by DraftKings, but DraftKings, we're open. We are here if y'all want to sponsor to show because the more that betting becomes legal throughout the United States, the bigger uh, footprint I think DraftKings is going to have in that game. And I'm sure you've all seen the, if you watched any football this year, you've seen a couple of DraftKings commercials. (laughs) So shouts out to DraftKings. Those were the numbers beyond Super Bowl 55. So we went beyond the numbers of Super Bowl 55 specifically, Ahmed, what's taking place this year and how things work during typical Super Bowls as far as food consumption, commercials, ticket prices, etc. But let's go a little bit deeper and explore the history of the Super Bowl itself. We have a lot of international beyonders, so we wanted to give you a brief history and explain what all the hubbub is about because the Super Bowl – in America really is quite a big deal. It's broadcast in more than 170 countries around the world. And the Super Bowl is one of the most watched sporting events in the entire world with elaborate halftime shows and cutting edge commercials added to the appeal. Like I said, it's not just about the game, it's an experience for the whole day. After more than 50 years of existence, the Super Bowl has become a symbol of American culture and my cousin, my fiance's cousins in France, they have to watch the game. Shouts out to Jessica and Julian and Guillaume, who's actually a huge Gator fan and actually plays on I mean, tackle football in France which I was floored when I learned. I didn't even
1: know that was a thing there.
0: Yeah, they do. And he said he said they play, they get together. He's in a league and they really enjoy it. So that was fun to learn. I'm sure the Super Bowl has a big part in spreading the game internationally. So we can't talk about the Super Bowl without talking about the start of the NFL. How did it start? When and where did it start? The NFL officially formed in 1920. But the Super Bowl didn't happen until more than 40 years later. In 1960, a group of businessmen who wanted to own football franchises but were denied by the NFL decided to launch an alternative league known as the AFL, the American Football League. So for several years, the NFL, the National Football League, and the AFL, the American Football League, were rivals. They competed for fans, for players, and for support. In 1966, the owners in both leagues negotiated an agreement to merge both leagues by 1970.
1: So when we look at the first Super Bowl, which featured the AFL and the NFL champions, it took place in 1966. The game was originally called the AFL-NFL World Championship game. A little bit of a tongue twister, and you can see why they changed the name. There's a fun fact, actually, that's tied to baseball as well and with the World Series. So people always ask me, why is it called the World Series when no teams from around the world compete for the title? The reason behind the name is thanks to Barney Dreyfus, who was the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates. In 1903, he wrote to the owner of the Boston Red Sox, challenging them to a, and I quote, worlds, championship series boston went on to win that series five games to three over time the world championship series or the world's championship series name was shortened to just world series back to football the super bowl after the leagues merged the nfl split into two main conferences the afc which was the american football conference and the nfc which was the national football conference the champions of each now play in the super
0: so it just sounds like, Amit, back in the day, people just didn't know how to name things. Like there, there was no catchiness factor. There was no marketing involved. It was literally like this is literally what this is called. This team versus this team for supremacy of being called the best team. <laughs> At least we've evolved as humans <laughs> a little bit. So the first host city broadcasting in halftime. We know this year's Super Bowl is taking place in Tampa Bay where I grew up but the destination was not always set ahead of time and it's hard to imagine now because there's committees involved it, and cities really have to woo the NFL into coming and showcase why they are adequate or up to standard to host a Super Bowl and all that comes with one and while host cities are now selected up to three years in advance the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum was not named as the site of the first Super Bowl until six weeks before kickoff. Arthur Harvey Frommer of when it was just a game, remembering the first Super Bowl, said, quote, the big game was a thrown together affair, hastily organized. It was in some ways an afterthought to the merger agreement. So the only reason they played this game in 1966, 1967, was because they had agreed on a merger and they were trying to make things work out between these two separate leagues. This year, the game is on CBS, but for super bowl one both cbs which held the rights to broadcast nfl games and nbc which aired afl games paid one million dollars for the rights to televise the first super bowl cbs produced a feed of the game which means what you see on the field the action on the field and each network employed its own broadcast crews nbc ultimately emerged with a slightly larger audience it remains the only joint broadcast Super Bowl in history. What's crazy is that NFL rules at the time required that its games be blacked out in the local vicinity. That meant that 15 million viewers within a 75-mile radius of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum could not watch the game without making a makeshift aerial antenna out of coat hangers. I remember that way back in the day when you had a fidget the antennas just right and get a coat hanger in there if you needed more help and broomsticks in order to catch the signal from another television market. So what's crazy to me here, Amit? they cannibalize their own market. LA is the second most populated city in the United States behind New York City. And I understand the rule in theory, right? If there's tickets, you should go in person to see a game. Trust me, growing up, the Bucks were often blacked out in Tampa because the game was not sold out they wouldn't show it on TV. But the Super Bowl, which an, a- an L.A. team wasn't even in, what was the purpose of this blackout?
1: <laughs> well, remember, it, it wasn't a Super Bowl yet.
0: That's right? true. AFL-NFL championship game for all of supremacy around the world, as <laughs> it was called then.
1: <laughs> and back then, the halftime show was also very different. The Anaheim High School drill team joined a marching band from the University of Arizona and Grambling College, and they high-stepped across the field. And then two rocket men from Bell Aerosystems with jetpacks filled with hydrogen peroxide launched themselves 100 feet into the air before landing on the 50-yard line. So a very different type of halftime
0: show. I love this. It's kind of like the circus at halftime. <laughs> like, yeah, you just right? can see all this action.
1: Just random things. The halftime festivities peaked with the release of 10,000 helium-filled balloons and hundreds of pigeons, one of which, according to Frommer, left a Super Bowl souvenir on the typewriter <laughs> of a young sports writer, Brett Musburger, who would go on to be the voice of college football for many of us who watched the SEC on
0: CBS. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. So one I um, I think in um in '67 was probably the year that New York City had the least amount of pigeons. I think they they captured all of the pigeons to release at the halftime show in LA. They flew them across country to release them. So it was like a wedding, or so. Here's all these pigeons letting go. Also, not the most environmentally environmentally friendly or conscious Super Bowl when we're releasing that. ten thousand <laughs> helium filled balloons into the air and the atmosphere. Thanks, Super Bowl one. That's I think this is a big part of global warming now. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just a sign of how the times have changed, right? Yeah. And I mean, no one even show. thought about that.
1: No one was like, Oh yeah, just it'll, they'll go up in the air and then some point they'll go away.
0: Right. It had to be just it sounds like an extravaganza, right? Like let's let's have bands and marching and we'll blow people out of cannons and we'll let balloons go into the air. And it's like maybe people will watch if we do all of these things. So that That just sounds, like I said, like a circus. It really just sounds like a circus. Let's talk about a funny glitch that occurred that you couldn't even comprehend right now, right? So when the game resumed after the halftime show, the Packers kicked the ball off to the Chiefs, but it was a play that half the country didn't get to see because NBC was still in a commercial break because they were interviewing Bob Hope on the sideline, one of the most famous entertainers at that time. And it ran long. So to the displeasure of Vince Lombardi, yes, who the Vince Lombardi trophy is named after, that the Super Bowl champion receives now each year, the referees whistled the play dead and told Green Bay they had to kick off the ball again, this time for realsies, (laughs) this time for realsies.
1: Yeah, things have definitely changed, right? Every now and then, Depending on who's covering the game, you come back from commercial and it's like, wait, did did, did I miss something? Oh yeah, well, I did miss something. <laughs> yeah,
0: and You'll all see, they like, do the is into the play and they just all they do is comment happened. on it. Or they'll split screen it and they're like, Oh, you yeah. guys missed this and this, right? Like, For those but, of us
1: just joining, like, get out of here.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine them being like, Hold on, time out. TV was still in commercial, let's go ahead and run this back. Can you do that one more time? Hey Mahomes, can you can you run to the right and then no look past left again and and like do it, do it with a little more zest. <laughs> the TV audience didn't get to watch.
1: Yeah, so let's look at some tie-ins to this year's Super Bowl and Super Bowl I. So there's actually a few ties back to the first Super Bowl. Um, The AFL Kansas City Chiefs owner, Lamar Hunt, proposed using the term Super Bowl to refer to the championship game.
0: Thank you, Lamar Hunt. That's right. That's
1: right. (laughs) The team is still to this day owned by the Hunts. Clark Hunt, his son, and the AFC Championship Game Trophy is named after. Lamar Hunt And the Kansas City Chiefs were also in the first Super Bowl, Super Bowl one, which took place on January 15th, 1967, and included the NFL's Green Bay Packers against the AFL's Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Yeah, so a lot of tiebacks for the Chiefs to then and now. Things were not just different on the field or at halftime. Things were different in general back in 1967. The game, as we mentioned, was held in the Los Angeles Coliseum. And even though ticket prices averaged just $12, it was the only Super Bowl that didn't sell out. This year with COVID, the NFL is allowing 25,000 fans most tickets will be given to frontline workers again that's far from a sellout at raymond james stadium so i'm not sure how they'll consider it but again it won't be a sold out audience watching the game in person as we mentioned the game aired on two different networks cbs and nbc it drew an audience of more than 61,000 fans yes we mentioned in the last piece that 99.9 million people watched last year's super bowl (laughs) super bowl one was on two different networks and only pulled an audience of 61,000 fans. The Packers beat the Chiefs, winning 35 to 10. And the next year, the Packers decisively won again in Super Bowl II, beating the Oakland Raiders 33 to 14. And many began to question whether the AFL teams could hold their own in the NFL. Remember, the merger was to take place in 1970, and these championship games took place just before that. But the next year came the guarantee, Hamid, which solidified the merger of the NFL and also probably the march to the NFL becoming the most popular sports league in America is when Joe Namath, a no name at that time, a guy that wore furs to the game, right? And was probably more well-known for some of the roles he was playing on TV and in movies, made a guarantee that they would beat the heavily favored Baltimore Colts in Super Bowl three. And that came true. They actually beat the Colts in Super Bowl three, in that famous image, Ahmed, of him running off the field with the thing, with the number one finger in the air. And that's really where, although the NFL had been in place since the 1920s, that's probably when the NFL began to take off. The merger worked. The AFL was just as good as the NFL. And we had a real league here that people could watch and became competitive. Broadway Joe Namath, bringing it home. Broadway on. Joe who is i think the only the only quarterback in the hall of fame and he either has a losing record or he has an even record i think he's like his record was even for his entire career but he won super bowl 3 and put the nfl on the map so he he gets to be on the uh on the mount rushmore of nfl personalities
1: was 1969 the last time the jets won a super bowl i'm asking for a friend <laughs>
0: That's wrong of you, man. That's wrong. Super Bowl four was the last game played between the two separate leagues, the American Football League and the National Football League. And tying back again to this year's Super Bowl, the AFL's Kansas City Chiefs beat the Minnesota Vikings 23 to 7. So that was the last game before the merger.
1: I'm trying to figure out if I want my prediction for this game, this year's game to be 35-10 or 23-7. I think I'm going to go 35-10 Chiefs.
0: So I think again, really historically pull it you really think Tom Brady is only going to score seven 35. or 10 points in a Super 35 Bowl? 35-10.
1: Oh, man. Hey,
0: hey. Oh, All man. Right. Let's,
1: let's go back. Let's go back to the 18 and no New England Patriots, right? One of the greatest offenses we ever saw playing against the New York football Giants. Do you really think you could hold the Patriots to 14 points? We ain't talking about no Patriots. 17-14. We ain't talking about no Patriots now. 17-14 for a team that was undefeated coming into the Super Bowl.
0: This ain't no Patriots right here. And
1: and I'd like to I'd like to point out that Tom Brady is about 13 years older. And I know he's not aging like normal humans, but he's still older. All right. We'll see. We'll see. But let's see. So let's look at Super Bowls since... That final AFL Kansas City Chiefs beating the Minnesota Vikings 23 7. During the 70s, three NFL teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Dallas Cowboys dominated the NFL scene and won a combined eight Super Bowls in 10 years. Franchises from the NFC won 16 of the 20 Super Bowls played in the 80s and 90s. So teams like the 49ers, the Bears, the Washington Red Tails, and the New York Giants stood out during these years. And then, Telly, then your boy Thomas took over.
0: Tom Brady took over, man, and your Giants beat him twice. (laughs) That's right. That's right.
1: And the 2010s were more evenly matched with the NFC winning and AFC winning five each of the Super Bowls during that decade. So definitely a little better better split
0: over the past decade. More parity, more parity
1: a little bit more. And now, as we've mentioned, we are tied. And this year's battle will be for NFL supremacy.
0: Yeah, still NFC tied with the AFC. We shall see, man. We shall see who comes out on top. My feeling, on it, as I've mentioned before, is my bucks will put the NFC over the top. So we'll see if it plays out that way. But it's a, it was cool to do research on this piece, the history of the league, of the NFL, the history of the Super Bowl, and the history of how the Super Bowl has played out in in years past, because now it's hard to think that it was an event that wasn't sold out and wasn't watched by millions of people around the country or around the world.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think you and I both learned a lot, and we hope that all of you listening learned a little something new. Yes.
0: Let's wrap this thing up. So as we mentioned, we are a weekly podcast. So this episode, we wanted to talk all things Super Bowl besides the game, which takes place this Sunday. But remember, time travel. We're recording this before the game, publishing right before the game. You guys know the deal. You will hear us in the future. I can't, I can't with you.
1: So we Tarantino this episode and started with this year's game and worked our way back to the first one. Uh, we went beyond the numbers, specifically of Super Bowl Fifty Five, when it comes to economics, ticket prices, food, and commercials. And as we concluded, a few of us will spend a ton of money going to the game. All of us as Americans will eat entirely too much food. Many of us will drink entirely too much beer. And between Telly and I, one of our predictions—only one would be correct
0: my prediction My prediction. (laughs) We went beyond the numbers of the history of the Super Bowl or its original name, the AFL-NFL World Championship Game, as it was more affectionately known as back in the day. Thank goodness they changed that. An empty stadium picked out five weeks before the game with two television stations broadcasting. A game blacked out in the area it was taking place. They launched people, balloons, and pigeons out of cannons at halftime. That's my summary for that piece. We've come a long way as a society. We've come a long way as the NFL. We've come a long way as a Super Bowl. I think it's safe to say. But in all seriousness, we are very excited for the game. Hopefully, it was an entertaining game. Hopefully, halftime was entertaining. And at least several of the commercials stick with us, Amit. More than the 10% as the number you quoted. I wonder, what's the over-under on coronavirus commercials? We are here with you sympathizing we love you our customers or what's the over under on social distance commercials like we definitely filmed this during the virus we are across the room from each other acting this commercial out to show you we relate
1: yeah and you know there'll be a lot of no we're all in this
0: together I'm sure guaranteed there'll
1: be multiple ones thinking healthcare workers maybe talking animals maybe we'll see one of my favorites
0: was avocados from Mexico remember that commercial avocados from Mexico <laughs> Those are usually pretty funny, so we'll see. Mexico might come with it. There's been some changes, so you know Mexico might come hard this year. I really can't with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Super Bowl 54 had 99.9 million viewers, and I predict this Super Bowl will have more viewers than that, especially international ones. And we mentioned shouts out to all our international beyonders. What I'd like is for beyond the numbers podcast to hit somewhere in that neighborhood. I'm at 99.9 mil. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take a 10th of that. But even if we don't hit that neighborhood, if you are listening now and you send it to one other person, we will double our audience and we will love you forever. <laughs> I mean, we already love you forever. We do, we, really, we already we do. We appreciate I know, we, I you called me out. We already love y'all forever, so it's all right.
1: <laughs> but hey, if you enjoy it, share it with someone that you might think could enjoy it. There may be some new fun facts for them. Maybe it's an entertaining way to drive somewhere. No one's really driving to work, but- They'll love it so do. much that they'll love you forever. So you'll
0: have another person- There you go, there you love go. Love you Bam. forever. <laughs> Bam, look at that.
1: You've, you figured it out. This is like a multi-level pyramid scheme.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's not it. a pyramid scheme. It's a it's a yeah, multi level marketing scheme. experience <laughs> that you are a part of if you just tell 10 friends and that's they right. tell 10 friends. You're right. Hey, tell 10 friends.
1: On the Twitter, on,
0: yeah, the <laughs> Twitter. That's right. I think I'm 74
1: years old. On Twitter, we'll post up a full graph of what this should look like and you tell me if it looks like a pyramid come here you shared me this this episode with me here grandson but what am I looking at here really am I hearing sports analysis I'm hearing about the first Super Bowl I was at the first Super Bowl I was actually holding balloons and I let them go accidentally it was not our intention to damage the environment at that time (laughs) we've that I don't I don't know I honestly yeah I don't know how we've made it through 46 episodes
0: but we have yo we still here so be sure you ask your friends have you gone beyond the numbers in sports this week if you haven't check it out share like
1: follow comment we appreciate everything you do for us. We enjoy putting this together for you. We hope that you listen and enjoy what you hear. Peace.
0: Bucks win. Bucks win. Oh, my god, the Bucks won. Oh, the Bucks. I told you the Bucks. This is February 4th. I'm already calling it the Bucks win. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for going beyond the numbers with us. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to going beyond the numbers of sports, and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple podcasts, and Google podcasts, whatever you're listening on now, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe button to get our latest content. And remember you can find us on Instagram beyond the numbers podcast and on Twitter
1: at beyond TN podcast.
0: So next time. Peace. peace.